0: Welcome to the sixth edition of Tomorrow, the Old Mutual Investment Group annual thought leadership publication on all things related to responsible investing and green growth. We've selected contributors from across the financial ecosystem, including asset owners, consultants, asset managers, economists, advocacy groups, and government representatives. The themes explored in this year's publications span issues such as long term systemic risk, resilience, inclusive growth, green financing innovation, impact measurement, and stewardship. We know that no one single actor can solve for long-term system risks on their own, and so have created this thought leadership platform for industry discussion and knowledge sharing. Welcome to the conversation. Your participation is critical to our shared success. Welcome everyone. It is my privilege to have Scott Nadler on the podcast with me as part of the Tomorrow 2020 publication. Uh, my name is Dean Alborough. I head up the environmental social governance practice at Old Mutual Alternative Investments. And Scott is the principal and founder of Nadler Strategy, advising corporations, business to business service firms, private equity nonprofits and startups. He's also the founder and director of the business adaptation project in the United States and South Africa and helps businesses work together to adapt to physical climate changes. He has kindly written an article as part of the tomorrow publication called avoiding the resilience trap bringing resilience into strategy welcome scott hello dean good to talk to you so diving into your article as an experienced strategist what is the key purpose of your article
1: i'm trying to help organizations think beyond resiliency resiliency is wonderful it's a great capability for us as individuals it's a great capability for organizations it's necessary but it's not sufficient. An organization to survive and to thrive needs to go beyond responding, being resilient, and really take a good look at what's changing and adapt to the changing circumstances. And as you state in the the article that
0: while you recognize that resilience is required, is a valuable asset to an organization, you state that it's a trap. And can you please explain a little bit more detail in the view of how this can become a trap for a business?
1: Sure. Let me give you one historical example and then we can focus on some very specific business challenges. During the last year, as you have probably noticed, there's been a little bit of a disruption around the world with the pandemic. And there's been a resurgence of popularity of the old wartime World War II British slogan of keep calm and carry on. That's a great example of of urging people to be resilient. And that was important during the Blitz and during the rest of, of World War II. But if all Great Britain had done in 1939 through 1945 was be resilient, if they hadn't adapted their economy to support a do-or-die wartime effort, all the resilience in the world wouldn't have been enough. So what you see is organizations run the risk of falling into the trap of saying, well, let's be very good at keeping calm and carrying on, but not doing the adaptation. That comes about in in two particular ways that I've seen. One is what I call resilience blindness. The focus on resilience can be so intense and so all-consuming that an organization can literally be blind to the changes around it which require adaptation. I lived through that earlier in my life. I worked with a US freight railway, and I found that that company and that industry in the United States has an extraordinarily rich tradition around resiliency. There's 150 years of culture that says, we can carry on. The show must go on. It doesn't matter if we have snow, if we have bridges collapsing, if we have derailments, the show must go on. And it's a tremendously wonderful culture that that can do a lot of great things. What I discovered when I took on the environmental responsibility for that company, though, was that Sometimes the show must not go on. That culture had evolved beginning in the 1850s. By the time I took on this role, expectations had changed, conditions had changed. The culture and the regulatory regime were no longer content to have the show go on by virtue of a railroad pushing contaminants off the track and into the river and into their water supply. Conditions had changed. We had learned a lot about chemistry, we had learned a lot about biology, we had learned a lot about the need to keep water pure. The railroad hadn't adapted, the railroad got better and better at ways to use new equipment, the new technology to shove things away, to get them off the track, to get the track back in shape and enable the show to go on. Their focus on that resiliency had blinded them to the changes in the underlying conditions. And by the time we adapted and began to develop the ability to judge when the show should go on and not, we had hundreds of millions of dollars of accrued liabilities from when we thought we were doing the right thing by being resilient, but we hadn't adapted to the changing conditions. That's what I call resilience blindness. The other problem is just resilience fatigue. If you have 100 year flood, a company can have just two wonderful things to take care of their business, their people, the community. When you have three or four so-called 100-year floods in a two-year period, you just can't keep responding. You can't keep being resilient. You just get, your resources are stretched, your people are stretched. Yeah, very interesting, Scott. The seductive
0: part of this resilience concept is that one can build up defensive strategies in your business and it gives you a sense of security uh, going into the future. And as you say, the risk of that is that you fall into this trap of resilience, blindness and also fatigue down the line. And having said that, I think moving into this adaptive capability, the one thing that strikes me is the need for innovation and to see the world slightly differently, which arguably is a more difficult space to move into for a business. When you're looking at a business, what should that business be doing To be able to be innovative, to move from simply a defensive resilience
1: type strategy
0: into an adaptive, innovative, creative type strategy?
1: Great question, Dean. And I think you characterize it correctly by saying resilience has an element of defensiveness to it. In particular, resilience essentially is about getting through an event and getting back to the way things were. Adaptation requires the recognition that you can't go back, you have to move ahead that business as usual isn't coming back. And so, the first characteristic that I look for is an attitude. It's the openness to things truly changing. That's threatening. People do become defensive. You chose the word very appropriately. Because if you're open to the notion that the underlying conditions can change, that's scary. It means you're looking at something you don't know. It also means, to be honest, that what you may have had 20, 30, 40 years experience dealing with may no longer be the same situation so that it devalues your experience. And unfortunately, a lot of people, including business leaders, I think, believe that that may devalue them. So the first thing I look for is an organization open to the reality that, that change may be out there, because if they're not open to that possibility, nothing else matters. Second, if they're open to that possibility, how good at they are listening for the signals about what's changing. Often those signals aren't loud and blaring until it's too late. How do you listen for those weak signals and amplify them without distorting them? Thirdly, then we get into its ability to look at and develop alternative scenarios. I went through this during the the Great Recession. I dealt with a number of companies, including my own, who said, we don't know what will happen afterward, so we can't plan for it. So we'll keep doing what we're doing until we really know. If you walk through that logic, Dean, what that says is there are multiple scenarios and we're not sure which scenario will actually take place. The only thing you really know is things won't be the same. So the business as it was before is the least likely scenario to ever happen. Yet you'd be amazed at how many companies say because we're not sure which new scenario will happen, we'll stick with what used to be which means we will go with the one scenario which is least likely to occur. So you've got the openness to change, you've got the ability to hear the signals about change, then you have the ability to think through and evaluate alternative scenarios for which you need to prepare. If you don't have those three, then you're pretty much driving down the motorway with duct tape over your windshield, only looking in the rear view mirror. I find that's a pretty scary way to drive. Very interesting, and I'd just be
0: interested in getting your viewpoints in what response leadership in businesses should be having to these concepts and their response to a view of simply not being resilient, but also moving into an adaptive capability within their business.
1: The most important thing leadership can do is to make it safe initially, and secondarily, to make it mandatory to think about the possibility of change. The most powerful two words in a leadership vocabulary are the words, what if. Leadership doesn't have to have all the answers. In fact, if leadership thinks it has all the answers, that's a very scary situation. What leadership needs above all, is the ability to ask the right questions early enough. What if sea level rises? What if international travel doesn't come back? What if there are new pandemics? Asking the what-if question is the single most important thing leadership can do. And if you know that every time you go in with a big project, leadership is going to ask you those what-if questions, the first thing is people say, what's that all about? Then they start to make sure that they have the answers on their notes when they walk in. When you really have value is when they start to actually incorporate the what-if thinking as they develop proposals. From an investor's perspective, which is a slightly different angle to
0: an operational business, what should investors be looking for and considering when looking at businesses in terms of what are the skill sets and capabilities
1: of a business uh, in terms of resilience and adaptive capacity? And the investor's job is to try and get a sense as to how well the leader is doing their job. There are a couple of ways of doing that. One is, unfortunately, easier now than it was a year ago. Because we have just been through the first year now of this awful pandemic. Unfortunately, we've just had a wonderful stress test and you can look at any organization and ask how they, how they experienced this, listen to their answers and listen to their language. That will give you an incredible insight into whether they have developed adaptive capability or are just relying on resilience. Sure, every organization will tell you their heroic stories of resilience and what their people did to adjust to this to suddenly finding on two days notice that they were not going back to their offices. They're wonderful stories of resilience and they're genuine. They should be appreciated. They should be valued. But if you ask leadership of a company how they have dealt with the last year and where they see it going from here, if all they talk about is resilience, that should be a bright red signal flashing on and off in front of the investor because that means they haven't become adaptive. If, on the other hand, they begin to talk about what they've learned from this that will help them going forward, how their business model has to change during this, if they talk openly about uncertainty about some of those changes, those are all positive signs that say they're developing adaptive capability. If they, in fact, begin to tell you about two or three alternative scenarios that they're preparing for, that's gold. That's a company that's truly learned how to be adaptive. Yeah, thanks, Scott. I think that's incredibly
0: insightful. Thank you for your time and your incredible insights to this. My pleasure. Thank you, Dean. Thank you for listening to Old Mutual Investment Group's series of podcasts, which form part of our Tomorrow publication. In the context of this year's theme of building resilience, Scott explains why resilience is necessary but not sufficient. Resilience is about getting through an event, while adaptation is realizing that you can't go back to business as usual. For an organization to thrive, leadership needs to be open and attentive to change and adapt accordingly. To read our latest Tomorrow publication and to listen to our other podcasts, go to oldmutualinvest.com and join with us as we collectively work towards addressing these long-term issues.